0: So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. I am David, as always, and it's been a while since I've talked to my buddy Chris. I have Chris on the other line. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How long has it been? man I, it's been like five or six weeks <clears throat> since uh since you and i have done one i did one uh with the gentleman from a uh, 308 ghost train a couple of weeks ago and uh just been busy i know you've been busy and uh we don't like to throw out podcasts just for the sake of throwing out podcasts and so until we have something we we don't put anything out and it's just kind of kind of what has happened the last couple of weeks but uh, it's good to hear from you yeah man yeah back in the saddle um, so, um, usually when you and I talk, you have uh, a ton of new music to talk about. And, uh, usually you educate our audience on somebody they probably haven't heard of. But, uh, this week you have, uh, two things to talk about that. Uh, I'm pretty sure most people that listen to this podcast are at least aware of these two individuals.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, before I even go, I just, I just came up with me, came, came to mind too. Um, cause this isn't an album. It's not out yet. But you know there was this is one that you can actually speak on. You can't the other two I'm going to name, but uh, Brian Fallon released a third single, and every single has been uh, pretty close to a ten, and that's my honest opinion. Pretty close to a ten every song. Um, I think that first one was is the first song he released is up there it was one of the best songs that I've ever heard recorded by him. Solo Gaslight whatever. And then the other two, are just great. So, I, I mean, that, that is, I'm so looking forward to that album. But
1: Based on the, um, the singles that we've heard, he seems to be in a good headspace.
0: Yeah, and it, it's, uh, and just, it, I think that one, that, that song, 21 Days, just, uh, if people aren't familiar with him, it just really just proves what a gifted songwriter he is, what a gifted lyricist. You know, it's this gut-wrenching sound ballad, and it's about quitting s- smoking. I, I mean, did not, no, I did not know that. Yes, listen. To, now that I've told you that, when we're done doing this, listen to the song, and you will hear it. And he said we used to talk over coffee. He talks, we used to talk over coffee in the morning. That's genius. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. The guy is, he is, he is a genius. Uh, I, that gets thrown around too much. Every time I remember Howard Stern will say that about every single person. Oh, he's a genius. He's a genius. It's like, dude, you're overusing that word. Brian Fallon is a music genius. Gifted, he, gifted song. He
1: is, um, and if the first three singles are any indication, it, it sounds like it's going to be a little more mellow of an album.
0: Than, oh yeah, all three singles are mellow.
1: Yeah, I mean he may be saving up the the other stuff to to surprise us, but yeah, I've got that pre ordered. I'm ready for it to come out. I think it comes out like March the
0: 21st or something like that. Um, yeah, but you know, and I think too that he maybe he's wanting to go in that direction, which I think is cool because I've I've, I've always hated it when people do solo albums and they they sound just like the band. I mean exactly like the band. And I think he's in going to be in a good place for if they put out a new Gaslight record because I I think that's going to happen. I don't know when, but I think it will happen. Um so I think I think it's cool that he has two separate things going. I mean completely different sounds, but All anyway, right,
1: Chris, I can't help but bring up. Do you think Brian Fallon would ever do a solo album as a tribute to Gaslight Anthem?
0: No, 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 no. Do
1: you know what I'm talking about?
0: I do. Oh, I do. So, yeah, you I just so yeah, tell what
1: it is. I discovered just kind of went down a rabbit hole on um, Spotify last night or this morning. Uh, me and Chris and our buddy Kaiten, who's been on here, and a couple other people are in this uh, group text, and it's usually just talking about you know hair metal or glam rock, whatever you want to call it. Brett Michaels put out an actual CD of. <laughs> poison covers and it's a tribute to poison man that's when you know creatively you're spent
0: yeah i mean it just yeah absolutely it just yeah (laughs) that that that, that's that's pretty pathetic i mean can you imagine if mick jagger
1: did a a solo album and it was just all rolling stones covers i mean that might be pretty good but
0: anybody though it's stupid no matter who you are to do that (laughs) and it just (laughs) <laughs> it just reeks of an ability an inability to write songs, you know when we talk about you know somebody like like Brian Fallon that can uh, compl- you yeah, know they're they're just great songwriters with an endless book you know <laughs> it just shows it shows the don't get me wrong, I grew growing up, I loved Poison. but it really does show the lack of i don't know it's a limited talent, let's just say that you got you gotta um, you gotta stay in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's 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 limited.
1: Alright, so tell us about Greg Dooley and uh, Ozzy. but uh, do you think those were you think anybody's ever asked a question to another guest and goes, Tell me
0: about Greg Dooley and Ozzy? No, not at all. Uh I'll just start with Ozzy, just because I I saw it. That was I honestly didn't even know it was coming out, and I haven't really given his recent records any really much of a chance. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna listen to this. And I saw Ricky Rackman had talked about it was Basically called it his, his masterpiece, which I was like, man, that sounds crazy. And it is – it kind of was a crazy comment. Uh, I, even after listening to it, I, I think that was – that was a bit – I don't agree. But there is some decent stuff on it. You know, I, I don't hate it. I think the uh, – what do you think about the guys, what, 70, 71 uh, and – he still sounds the same. That's the cool thing. He he sounds the same. I guess um, I'll give him that. The I think what it's really lacking, I think the riffs are cool, but there's no real I'm not gonna say just no real Aussie solo type record. Obviously Ozzy not playing the, the solos, but I wish Zach was on it. Well you it, know you know who wrote
1: the album, don't you? No. Oh, you don't? Okay. So drums is Chad Smith. I knew that. The bass is Duff McKagan. I knew that. The guitar player is Andrew Watt. He was in a band with Jason Bonham and uh Glenn Hughes a couple years ago. He's a young guy. And um from what I heard, the reason Zach's not even on it was they basically just came up with this idea in a matter of days. Wrote it and put it out. And like, didn't have time to get Zach in. So uh, from my understanding, it's Ozzy, Duff, and Chad, and Andrew wrote all the songs. I think primarily the The three musicians and Ozzy helped some, from my understanding.
0: Well, it was a mistake not getting a guitarist. I mean, just I'm just saying it, it was a mistake because that that it doesn't sound like an Ozzy record from that point of view. But opening cut straight to hell, I thought was good. Ordinary ordinary man has uh, Elton John in it. I think it's a really good song. Under the graveyard is kind of a uh, it's got a Sabbathy type feel, and then. So I see there's two songs, and I knew he'd done something with Post Malone. I never heard it. I see two songs with Post Malone. I'm like, oh boy. And the song, It's a Raid, uh, surprisingly, it's kind of cool. Um, this Post Malone, I don't know anything about him, but he's not rapping. He actually sounds pretty cool, which I, I know he comes from a metal background, and uh, he sounds good. And then the last song is called Take What You Want, and it's what I expected a Post Malone contribution to sound like. It's just, it's awful. And it sounds like a damn pop song. It's got auto-tune. It's got everything. All, all the terrible, terrible qualities. Um, awful. But overall, from what I've heard, it's not a bad record. Um, that's
1: kind of the sense. I've seen a lot of people on social media comment and go, hey, it's not terrible. It's um, not.
0: And you got to think about, too, with, with where he's at. And and it's, it's like Ricky. I saw Ricky Ratman post as well on this, on that same tweet. And that's what got me to listen to it. He said... You know, sadly, and he he, uh, he feels it's the it's the swan song. And, I mean, Ozzy's defied the odds to be around this long, and now Parkinson's, and I'm sure this is probably, is probably the last record, and it's not a bad way to go out, I'll put it that way. I
1: mean, people like to rag on that Post Malone, but I, I respect him. Like, I was watching a video somebody put on social media today, I mean, It's him and Dwight Yoakam, and they're playing A Thousand Miles from Nowhere, and he's geeking out playing it. Clearly, he's listened to it, you know? Um, he's played with Aerosmith and and loves Aerosmith. I feel like he's just a fan of
0: music. Well, he is, but like I said, he comes from a metal background. Like, I know he's a... I don't remember where this... They named, like, a couple of bands that he was really into, and one of them was Gate Creeper. And I've heard Gate Creeper. I'm sure it doesn't surprise you. And it's death metal. I mean, it's just it, it's it's out there like extreme metal and he's a big fan and i've seen one like he i mean i've seen him geeking out with phil anselmo i mean he's, he's a metal guy but yeah i don't like it's weird how he the music he does but anyway um so yeah greg duly record finally came out it's called random desire and it is absolutely excellent it is it's it exceeded what were very high expectations Usually you get high expectations and they can't be met. Well, he exceeded them. I love this record. It's um, I would say it's more like the Twilight, more like the Twilight singers than it is the Afghan Wigs, um, but not necessarily like either one of them. It's just it, it's it goes into it's a good what I was talking about earlier. If you're going to do a solo record, make it sound different, and he did. And I also read an interview with him saying like the re- part of the reason why it was a solo record, he said that um, you know the only other original Afghan Wig is. Is a uh, John Curley and he's in said he went back to college and I think a couple other guys are working on projects one of them one of them plays in a I, I want to say he's with the the what's the jack what's the jack white band that you like the rock and Tours. I think he may be the drummer in that band interesting and uh, so he's on he's on tour doing that and he said but they are starting to get to work on new Afghan Wigs material. But anyway, they, people are just kind of going their own ways. So that's why he went with a solo record. But you know, all the singles that they had already released have been great. Um, the one that falls apart, it's probably like my second favorite song on the album. Cause my first one is a song called my favorite, very favorite one is a song called the tide. It's uh, it's so good. And the first single that he had, I hope I'm saying this right. I, penamima i don't even know but anyway great song great album i highly recommend it i mean there's two out al- two albums i've been looking forward to this year this is the first one brian fallon in a month so so far i don't care i mean if i if i'm if all the other things suck this year i've got two great records yeah i listened to half of
1: that Dooley album friday when i was at work and um it struck me as being a little quirky like it wasn't it definitely wasn't afghan wigs um i just had it on kind of passively and while i was doing some stuff so i'm gonna go back and listen to it i mean i'm interested especially after you know we talked to for christopher thorne for a few minutes and you know he obviously played a hand in it um so i've got it queued up to listen to when i have a little more time where i can pay a little more attention to it um yeah releases this year the only one that's come out that i was really looking forward to was drive by truckers their album the unraveling um and uh i I guess i'm a little disappointed with it the the last album american band i think is probably their best album they've ever done and so um this one um it's i mean i need to listen to it some more it just doesn't do as much for me as the other one but um i'm looking forward to fallon and then I need to send you some some clips. Uh, Chris Robinson has a like an old school kind of country band called the Green Leaf Rustlers, and they're putting out a, a live album of nothing but covers. Um, some some I think you'll be familiar with some of that older country that you like to listen to. So got those to look forward to. Uh, but other than that, that drive by track, it's not bad. It's just uh, doesn't hold up to American band. So I want to address something with everybody before we get into our subject. Um, For the foreseeable future, we're probably going to hold off on playing any music during our episodes. In the last month, Spotify has removed a lot of music podcasts like ours, some bigger than us, some smaller than us, and some our size. And so um, they're doing this because Universal Music Group, I guess, has filed a copyright uh, suit against them. And uh, from what I understand, uh, that group owns 25% of all publishing. And so I'm not going to risk us getting taken off Spotify because I know a lot of you listen to us on Spotify and then I don't want to do anything to mess things up for us. So until all of that gets straightened out and we have some some for sure rules about, you know, what we can and cannot play and how to play it, I'm just going to hold off on it. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate that that's what has happened, but uh, I for sure don't want us removed off one of those platforms, so uh, we probably won't play anything here for the next month or so. And we'll just see how it all plays out.
0: Well, you know, I, I think that's, a, and I'm, I understand that the record industry is, it's, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a different time, and it's, it's not a, it's not a lucrative business right now selling records. And I know, so I understand them wanting to try to do everything they can to make a mo- make money and not get screwed out. I get it. And I usually will stick up for them, but this one just sounds odd. Just in, because I feel like it's promotion for artists in a lot of ways, and I don't. People aren't going to listen all the way through a podcast to hear one song when they can just go on YouTube and get it. Right. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even naming Spotify or Apple Music because people may not pay for those. They can go on YouTube and hear. Them. Right. That's what I don't understand. You know, yeah. hey, those are. Those are on there, and so you're going to listen to an. Do you think because you're going to listen to an hour podcast, you, you're going to listen through something like that to hear a song? Yeah, it's not like oh. you're going
1: to. It's not like you're going to record it like we used to off the radio when we were growing up and didn't have money. You know, I mean, you can, yeah, you can clearly go listen to it for free. I think it has something to do with, I guess, in their head, people will listen to it on there and then maybe not go listen to it on the streaming platform, and they don't get the money. For, I, I'm not real sure. I've heard conflicting reports of what's really going on. But, um, yeah, just better to be safe than sorry for right now. No, I hear you. I agree. So, uh, hopefully that will get resolved and we'll get back because I I really enjoy um, adding stuff to it. It makes the editing process a little bit longer, but I I think it it really adds to the show. And so, uh, we'll we'll get back to it. Where There's going to be ways around it and and ways to do it correctly where we don't have to worry about them pulling us. So, uh, just uh, hold tight, everybody, and we'll get back to it. So, Chris, this week... We're going to do a second part of our series. I guess we call it Albums We Should Know or something along those lines. You came up with this whole idea probably about a year or so ago, and I thought it was genius. I loved it. And uh, the first round I had a lot of fun uh, doing, and uh, I've enjoyed this one as well. And it's something we'll probably do maybe every six months or so because uh, there's probably no end to uh, what we could select. But basically we're going to talk about albums – from artists that are very influential that music most music fans at least know of or have heard of and for us it's going to be albums that we're not familiar with and so um kind of a fresh set of ears and we'll just talk about each one for a little bit but um i always enjoy doing this and i know you and i have like we've texted back and forth over the months and i mean we've got a whole list of ones we could do but i think we had a
0: pretty eclectic mix that both of us picked this time I agree. And, you know, we could do this easily. I mean, I could easily, we could say, take, we could get off the phone or or finish this up and then say, hey, text me another list in 10 minutes. And you could, we could do it easily as far as stuff to listen to. And, and so it's an easy one to do. And I know when we did it, we liked it so much and we said we'd do more of them. And, and I had people tell me how much they liked it. So, Probably something we ought to even think about doing more than every six months because sometimes we can't think of a reason to come on, and this is always a reason to do it. Yeah, and and it's and two when you talk about influential and and well known, keep in mind that some of them too though are they may not be known by everyone, but of the people that listen to the genre that they come from, they're certainly known.
1: Yeah, well, when we think, have we have some real heavy hitters on here too though. Yeah. All
0: right, you tell me how you want to do this. i tell you we, what,
1: we... I think you went first last time. I'll go first this time. Okay. Um. So my first album is an album I'm sure everybody has heard of. It's by the most famous band of all time. It's Rubber Soul by the Beatles. Now, one of the things that used to really draw me to Chris was years and years ago, he, had a, he and I had a conversation, and both of us just didn't get the Beatles. Uh, respect what they did. Uh, there's no doubt that they were the trailblazers for pretty much everything that we hear on the radio now. I don't disagree with that. I don't argue with that at all. I just never got why people thought they were so good. And Chris, for the most part, agreed with me, but he had, he saw the light and uh, a couple years later, and he's changed his tune on, tune on that. But Rubber Soul is one of the most famous albums of all time. It came in at number five on Rolling Stone's top 500 list. And so I never have just really sat down And uh and listen to it uh probably the way that I should. Uh Drive My Car is a famous song on there. Um you don't really hear a lot of the other ones on the Norwegian Norwegian wood, maybe, um, but uh it's it's just so highly regarded. And so I listened to it a few times and I still have the same thought that I had before. Now I'll admit there's some later Beatles stuff that I like. I like some of the stuff on the White Album, I like some of the stuff on Abbey Road, but for the most part, this is, I guess, a time period of the Beatles that uh, just doesn't do anything for me. And I guess maybe I have a different point of view because you and I weren't alive, obviously, when this was made. My dad, like, talks about, he he can tell you he was on a set of stairs in between floors at his college dorm when he heard the Beatles the first time. Like, that's how big of a deal it was. And so if you don't have anybody else putting this music out, it's kind of like, um, the, all right, the band UFO. A lot of people that you and I like that are musicians love UFO, right? We listen to it and it just sounds like any kind of seventies rock that, that that you hear on the radio. But they were kind of groundbreaking at the time because people hadn't heard a lot of that stuff. The same way I think with the Beatles. But um, I mean, it's not terrible. I just I just don't get it. And to me, sometimes the songs sound kind of, kind of silly. Now I've done some research and looked at some of the subject matter on them, and sure, there's some serious songs on here. Uh, but I just don't get what all the fuss is about, about this album. And I'm like, clearly I'm in the 0.01, percent that think that, um, my favorite song on the album was nowhere, man. Uh, I did like the Ringo star song. What goes on? I thought that was a good song. I, I I happen to like a lot of the Ringo stuff. I know people kind of poo poo on him as a singer, but, uh, usually it has a country tinge to it. He's real big into that Bakersfield sound and all that stuff. So, uh, tell me where I'm wrong, Chris. Well, a lot of times Ringo
0: would just do what the Beatles other guys told him to do. Yeah. But but uh no, I mean I like Octopus's Garden a whole lot. Um off of Abbey Road. That that's a great Ringo song. But um I'm not gonna ever say you're wrong because it took I went most of my life of not getting the Beatles. And as I've told you before, I've told many people. I, I would have told people at the time when I didn't care for them that man, I wish I got it because there's a lot of stuff out there. Like if somebody tells me, we just talked about Post Malone. If somebody tells me they love Post Malone, I don't like it and I don't want to like it. You know, uh, but the Beatles it's like, I really felt like I was missing something. Right. I kind of feel like I'm not a member of the club. Yeah. It's like, okay, I feel like I'm into music too. I feel like I got pretty good taste. Why am I so off on this one? And, um, it was the, when the, Around the time when those remasters came out, I uh, I think I bought I think I bought Revolver and Abbey Road on the same day, and and I just kind of eased into and before long I was starting to really like them, starting to enjoy them, and I was getting all of them. Rubber Soul, you're right, it is one of the top ones. I like it's often it's Rubber Soul it's um revolver it's it's revolver and and it's a sergeant pepper those are kind of the big ones and with this one i uh i don't like it as much as i do the the records that came after it i I do like it though and you know i think i think um I, i just don't like it as much as most beatles fans do but i do like it i think it's a good album uh, Norwegian Wood, I think, was just very creative, and the you know first time that a, uh, it was the first time that a sitar had been used in at least in rock, uh, at least uh, I, maybe even period on any kind of pop or what in radio in in the country. So I was influential. You know, I, I've heard that that Dylan was very influ or um, Lennon was very influenced by Dylan from a lyrical standpoint, and that kind of came out in this song, and then. I, I love the song "Nowhere Man," and "I'm Looking Through You" in my life is just fantastic. It's one of maybe my favorite on there. It's about you know, about Lennon's youth and his life before fame. Uh, but I'll tell you one that people there's a really popular one that people love that I don't get, and that's Michelle. Yeah, not a huge fan of that. But but yeah, overall I do like the album. All right, so the second album
1: was uh there's a riot going on by sly and the family stone now about 10 years ago um when um i was doing a lot of just you know reading about artists and stuff like that you know and wikipedia was getting real big and it was real easy to um to to find information i just kept seeing sly and the family stone coming up all the time like all these like random people that it's kind of like you and i talk about mastodon like there's a random group of people that swear by them that don't have anything in common you know and uh started seeing all that and started so i said i'm gonna listen to some sly and uh you know sure enough there were songs that, that i'd heard of didn't know who that was and uh, I, I really like a lot of, a lot of sly and the family stones early stuff but um there's two albums of theirs that just really get um uh, three stand fresh and uh, there's a riot going on but a lot of people really point to There's a Rot going on as one of the most influential albums of that time. And so I had never really listened to it and wasn't all that familiar with the songs on it. And so I wanted to give it a try for, um, uh, for those reasons. But um, it debuted at number one on the pop and soul charts. Uh, the album was a lot darker than the previous releases. Uh, it was ranked 99 on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. And one publication had it as the fourth best album of the seventies. It's been covered and reworked by various artists kind of, as, such as the beastie boys and Iggy pop and, uh, Billy Preston, who uh, I'm sure everybody knows was the only other person ever credited on a Beatles song, placed keyboards on it. And, uh, it was kind of groundbreaking from the sense that, you know, they did a lot of drum loops and beats that was used thoroughly through it. And so, um, uh, Uh, a lot of people point to that as its influence but uh for the most part i don't like it I, i don't i think stand is a much better album excuse me which came before that and then um a lot you know a lot of it's really heavy drug influenced and he was i think he'd gotten involved with like the black panthers at the time and they were urging him to be more political in his music and so uh that came into play but uh the song Brave and Strong and Family Affair, uh, those are my favorites on the album. But I, I was really disappointed in this because of all the hype around it. And so many people just talk about Sly and the Family Stone. But uh, from my listening ears, the earlier stuff that was a little more upbeat and a little happier uh, is where to go with this. But he, he is clearly like a, a musical savant um, if you listen to people talk about how talented he is. But uh, it, it was a big disappointment for me.
0: Well, this was not for me. Um, don't have a lot to say on it. I can say that I appreciate and respect the talent. Yeah, you know, I, I was very unfamiliar. I just knew the name. I did read that he, you know, he played most of the instruments on the album. And you mentioned the Beastie Boys. I immediately recognized "Brave and Strong." That they, I mean, it's a very small snippet, but they do on the Beastie Boys' three-minute rule off a of Paul's boutique. They do sample that. So uh i immediately knew that but it's just i'm not gonna have a lot of there's not a lot for me to say because it's not like i listen to the songs like oh well i really like this one I, i just didn't like the record yeah it's
1: it's it's i think it's weak i think the reason that people point to it so much is because it did get so political and that was you know in like 71 when all you had a lot of stuff going on and he, you know, incorporated drum loops and, and beats and stuff like that that I don't think anybody ever really used before. But the the album before it is just a, it's a great album. I mean it's it's fun to listen to. You've heard a lot of the songs on that. You may not know you've heard them, but you have. But uh, yeah, this one was a this was a massive disappointment for me. All right. So the third album is this is one really out of left field, but I've always wanted to listen to this because You hear how many albums it sold and you hear so many people like Slash and other people talk about growing up listening to it. And that is the album Tapestry by Carole King. Carole King, you say? Yes, Carole King. Um, The album sold 25 million copies. You You can't overlook that. It was number one for 15 weeks and it was the longest number one for a female until Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard. All songs written by Carole King except You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Uh, this had some real heavy hitters on Actually, it. Actually, but
0: even that one i read, she did. She, she had a co-write on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, but she just wasn't solely her. Uh, this one has some heavy hitters on it. Like, I feel the earth move. That's a staple of 70s radio. It's too late, um, you know, um, it is, is a one that you always hear. Um, You've got a friend. I think um, James Taylor made that one a big deal. And I think they dated for a while, but. To me, this is kind of like an ultimate singer-songwriter piano-style album, and uh, she definitely has a lot of talent, and uh, has a. I like her voice, and uh, I like, you know, kind of the heavy piano that's that's on a lot of these songs. Um, you can see how this sold well. I'm sure this was well-received in suburbia and uh, amongst people that were a little bit older than maybe, like, that were listening to, like, The Grateful Dead and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, but uh, I have a huge amount of respect for her. She is definitely very talented, and... Uh, I, I understand why this one sold well. I mean, it's not something I'm going to pull out, but, uh, you know, songs like If I Feel the Earth Move and It's Too Late and You Got a Friend Come on the Radio, I'm not going to change them. So uh, this one was fine. I mean, it's just not something I'm going to go back to, but uh, it's not bad at all. It's actually really good.
0: Uh, you, you also mentioned that it was uh, number 30. You forgot, failed to mention it was number 36 on Rolling Stone's greatest 500 albums. Wow. Yeah. So what's the best way for me to say this? Okay. This is going to be from our last time we did it. This is going to be my steely Dan Asia. This album sucks. (laughs) I mean, it is dog shit. (laughs) I mean, it just, I feel about her this album, the way and I feel about her, the way you feel about Tom Waits. Like I love Tom Waits, but you're like, okay, great songwriter. He, I like it when other people cover his songs. Um, that will you love me tomorrow? The the Shirelles version that oldies that was number one hit for them. That's a good song. I like that song. You make me feel like a woman by Aretha Franklin. That was a number eight song. That's a pretty good song. Um, her versions. Uh, the I guess the you make me feel like a woman by her. It, it's I shouldn't say it's terrible. It's not as good as Aretha, but that's I mean, that's tough for anybody to do to make it with as good as Aretha with her, her pipes. Uh, we love me tomorrow. Um, what can I say? She butchered her own song. Um, I feel the earth move. I can't. You said you're not going to turn it. I can't turn it quick enough. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. I still get people sending us
1: messages or whatever about my take on Steely Dan. Uh, how yeah, much they I probably hate it. Hate it. They yeah, they
0: hate that take because they're a band that people just love.
1: Well, speaking of a band a lot of people love, uh, my next one is one that uh, honestly i I, I feel kind of embarrassed that um, I haven't really paid attention to but
0: yeah this was a good pick by you by the way. Um, I wasn't familiar either it was a good pick I've already heard I've always heard about it.
1: So growing up, I always heard about King's X would see them in a lot of the uh, music magazines and stuff like that and they were they were a trio. And Doug Pennick was the lead singer. And, you know, and at that time, you didn't have a lot of African-American men, you know, fronting rock bands and and metal bands. And uh, as uh, I got older and got into, like, podcasting 15 or so years ago, listening to podcast music podcasts, everybody was always talking about, oh, King's X, they're a musician's band. I've heard so many podcasts talk about, like, if you go on the Monsters of Rock cruise and you want to meet all the members of the bands, just go to the King's X show because they're front row. Uh, they say that about Tesla, too. When Tesla plays, all the musicians come and, and listen to them. Um, the thing that makes them stand out a, a little bit is they came out at a time where you were either thrash, you know, like Metallica and Slayer and stuff like that, or you were glam. And they're not either, um, any any one of those. But they were on Megaforce Le- Records, which is the, you know, the label that broke Metallica. And I heard Johnny Z, the founder of it on a podcast recently, talking about they legitimately thought when they signed them, they were going to blow up as big as Metallica. And it just never happened. You can go look at the list of people that they've opened up for and toured with. It is a who's who of music. Whether it's heavy metal or just rock or hard rock, they have opened for them. And uh, so I really wanted to to listen to them with you know, some more educated ears. And Gretchen Goes to Nebraska is considered to be kind of their exile on main street or their best album or whatever. So I listened to it and, uh, I don't hear it. I, I don't, I don't hear what other people are hearing. To me, a lot of the songs have kind of the same tempo. The backing vocals sound the same and the tone, the the guitar tone, everything's kind you know, um, is, is the same. Now, Doug Penny, he has a great voice. It's a strong voice. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, but for me, it's, um, the album was largely forgettable, and I just found myself going, maybe if I put myself in those shoes in 1989, or I think it's when it came out, and you know, you've know you got Def Leppard and Poison playing on the radio, or if you're into kind of underground music, you're listening to you know Metallica and Slayer and stuff like that, this would be kind of a breath of fresh air to you. Um, I think a lot of people that liked hard rock music necessarily were happy with the state of the music industry at that time. With bands like Poison and Bon Jovi, wanted something that kind of had that sound, but the lyrics are a little more serious. I could see gravitating toward them. Um, I'll be honest: if I'm if I was listening to this and it's like twelve or thirteen, I may have a different view of it. But to me, I don't see what all the fuss is about.
0: Well, I knew that. The, though, as far as my my knowledge of King's X, I remember when you talk about when you were growing up, if you had heard it. I remember first seeing about them and I don't remember who it was, but it was in a guitar world magazine. A lot of people were listening their, listening to their favorite albums and somebody who I really respected don't even remember who it was had this album listed in their top five. What? And I knew the Kings, that's King's X song got kind of popular. Um, it's called it's love.
1: Yeah. They, they play some hair nation all the time.
0: Yeah. And I didn't know much more of that. I did probably about 15 years ago, maybe uh, 10 to 15 years ago I I did see them I, I went to see them at a show here in Memphis um but just you know because it was it was live music and thought I'd go see them so what I thought when I listened to first of all when I listened to it I knew you te- you, you know you text me about it and I was kind of in the same camp like yeah it's a bit of a letdown yeah the second time I listened to it I actually thought it was pretty I mean it was decent I didn't I certainly didn't hate it, didn't love it, but I, I, it's it's not, I don't get the the way people just love it the, in the way they do, but it's not a bad record. But the thing that really caught me, true story, when it hit me on the second go-around, I was like, man, Extreme had to have been influenced by this band. So didn't get around to it until today. I Googled to try to find if Extreme was, influenced by them. Well, this is what I did find. I saw a video of Nuno where he was saying that they're one of the greatest bands of all time. And he said they were ahead of their time and they were in the wrong era. And then also saw, saw, saw something where Nuno said, if faith, hope, love was released in the last 10 years or even yesterday, they would be as big as muse right now. This was sort of an article about five, four years ago. And uh, I guess the reason why I thought it sounded so much like Nuno are like extreme, the background vocals. exactly. A perfect example, almost more than any of them, is a the song Summerland. Yes. Listen to the beginning. That is Nuno background vocals. Number two, the tone of his guitar. He's not, he's a good guitarist, by the way. He's not Nuno good because Nuno is in a whole other universe good. But, Nuno, I swear, it almost feels like he got copied a little bit of his tone. And, in a way, I almost feel like extreme ripped them off. I, I, I'm serious. Go back and now that I've t- talked to you about extreme. No, it,
1: you know you. I completely, I completely hear what you're talking about. Um, yeah,
0: it sounds a, extreme. Sounds a lot like them, but, especially. But but like but, the, but
1: extreme though varied their sound up. To me, all the songs sounded just kind of like they're the settings on everything was exact same. Okay, I, I get it.
0: And and the first the first extreme record, not so much. But the really when they got popular, and then that three sides to every story, definitely you can hear that influence that King's X had. Yeah. But as far as stuff that I liked. um, you know, I, I thought that that first song, Out of the Silent Planet, was probably my favorite one, over my head, was pretty good, and song Summerland, and song called Fall on Me. But, you know, don't, like I said, don't hate it, don't love it, and this would be one, like, if it came on, if I'm listening, and for whatever reason I'm listening to Hair Nation, I don't think it'd be played, but say Out of the Silent Planet came on, I wouldn't change it.
1: I'd yeah, it no, going. it's not, it's not bad, I didn't mean to say that it's bad. It's just the hype around them. I'm expecting, you know, almost like some, you know, Joe Satriani type playing and, you know, Neil Peart on drums. And, uh, that, that wasn't that. I mean, I, I need to go back and listen to it again. I mean, I do like Summerland. I like the song The Mission. Um, but, uh, yeah, they just have a lot of hype. And, you know, I'm not a musician. And so there's some, uh, obviously, there's some things I can't appreciate, but that's kind yeah. of okay. where I went with it. All right. So you had, um, we, that was a fairly eclectic See, We had Funk and Soul, Singer-Songwriter, The Beatles, and uh, a little bit of Hard Rock, and yours kind of was as varied as mine was. So uh, yeah. why don't you start rolling?
0: Okay, I'm going to start off with a band that that I, always, I knew, like Matt Penfield. I think it's his, they're, they're his favorite band. I read Matt Penfield's book. It's a great book, by the way. And Matt Penfield, I just really respect that guy, his music taste. Um. And, Matt Penfield, like me, is wearing, seems like a different band shirt every day. Like if I'm not at work, seems like I'm in a band tee. Um, I've, always, I've always respected his taste, and he loves a band called The Jam. And so i thought about I've known forever I needed to listen to them. I mean to do it, and I just gets on the back burner. So I just looked them up and just looked up what was the best jam album. And you saw several different opinions, but I'd say the one that was came up the most was called all Mod Cons. And this is just a very British-sounding, you know, early punk sound. British-sounding, very early punk record. I think this came out in 78 and kind of has the Clash-type feel to it. Um, this was one that I didn't blow me away. I certainly didn't hate it. I would listen to certain of the songs I really liked, like, the, like the, first, the song To Be Someone, Didn't We Have a Nice Time. That's a great I, song. I loved it. Um, song David Watts, I didn't know that was a Kinks song. They said it's a Kinks cover. That was a really good one. Um, A-Bomb in Wardour Street. I was really good. In the Crowd, Billy Hunt. The, so you get, I'm naming all these songs. There was enough in it to have me go back. And will I try another record of theirs? Probably. It like it didn't blow me away, but I could see this being one of those bands that you kind of have repeat listens to several times, and then next thing you know, you're a fan. I could see them being that way for me.
1: Yeah, so I I like you. I had heard of them, um, as heard people mention them as a, as influence on their music, and so when I pulled them up to look at them. I'd always heard the word mod before, you know, they called Rod Stewart, Rod, the mod and the Who sang about mod culture. So they're what does a mean, of, I'm about to re get you the definition. So they're, they're kind of credited with the mod slash punk revival in, uh, in England. So I'm just, it's, it's about a paragraph long. This came from Wikipedia. Mod is a subculture that began in London and spread throughout Great Britain and elsewhere, eventually influencing fashions and trends in other countries and continues today on smaller scale. Focused on music and fashion, the subculture had its roots in a very small group of stylish London-based young men in the late 50s who were termed modernists because they listened to modern jazz. Elements of the mod subculture include fashion, music, and it says in quotation marks, including uh, soul, rhythm and blues, ska, jazz, and later splintering off into freak beat after the peak mod era. And motor scooters, that's random, uh, usually the brands uh, Lombretta or Vespa the original mod scene was associated with amphetamine fueled all night dancing at clubs. So th- that is the definition of mod. When I listened to this album and put it on, by the time I got to song two, I heard elements of television. I don't know if the television album came out before this or after this
0: 77,
1: I believe. And this is 78. Yeah. So you're close. So I-, I heard some, some sounds that sound like that. Um, the first thing that really struck me was how great the production was for an album uh, back in that time. And especially, you know, a lot of, it's I think it was their first album. A lot of those types of albums, you know, the punk, the production, punk type music and new wave music, the production wasn't the best on. So that really struck out to me. At first, this was really, re- really well recorded. Uh, like you, To Be Someone, Didn't We Have a Nice Time. I love the tone of the guitars on this song. I, I really liked it. Uh, Paul Weller's vocals. Uh, I feel like influenced a lot of 80s new wave type singers and this music you can go back and listen to it and everything that came out of England for the next 20 years you can at least hear a snippet of it whether it's the Stone Roses or Morrissey or the Smiths or um, even a little bit of Oasis you could tell they probably listened to them Um, and Paul Weller's voice for me at times does remind me of Morrissey a little bit uh, some of the other standout tracks I had were "It's Too Bad" and Billy Hunt. Uh, Billy Hunt to me had a lot more of a punk influence on it. So I've actually got this saved. I'm going to go back and, and listen to it uh, again. But I was pleasantly surprised with this when I heard the. Jam, I always thought the Jam was just kind of like a hardcore punk band um you know from from the one of the first hardcore punk bands but uh i mean it's got some elements of that into it but i, I was i was pleasantly surprised with this this is one that uh that i will definitely add to my list and, and probably hit it from time to time
0: yeah i'm actually really surprised by that i I, I, it's the, I didn't expect you to say this is you know steely dan you know asia i didn't expect that but i didn't know that you would you know, have such a favorable opinion. So that's cool. But no, I I agree. I think this, I mean, this could, this was probably on this list, but this might be the bell of the ball, you know? Well, I
1: mean, there's no way the Smiths didn't listen to this album.
0: Yeah. You know, I think there's, I think think you're right. I think they were a very influential band. And, you know, like I said, I take the, I'm getting ahead of myself, but take out the Beatles because I know that album. I love that album. This was probably, it's, it's definitely upper echelon. Probably the best one for me. Yeah. Uh, So the second one, That I that I chose. I've got um, I got Miles Davis kind of blue. I listen to, as everybody knows, all kinds of different music. I love, I love, just about everything, except rap, and um and even some of the rap I like. Well, I shouldn't say except rap. I, I I don't like some of the like I don't like current pop type stuff. And obviously there's stuff I don't like, but. As far as overall genres, most of it I can appreciate. Never really got into jazz. I tried this, you know, and, and I'm going to say, too, jazz is never going to be my cup of tea. It never will. But I can appreciate it at times. And so I thought, why not try what's considered, by a lot of people, the best jazz album, uh, by the, or at least the best album by the best jazz artist. And, you know, though it's not my usual music. I did. I did. I mean, I I, I kind of liked it. I didn't love it, didn't hate it, and I think that it's a it's a mood album for me. I've totally got to be in the right mood. Like I think one that would be perfect for me, and I remember the first time I really started listening to this, I did have about a 30-minute drive ahead of me, and it was at night. I could see me being on a road trip driving late at night, and I just want something a little bit laid back and putting this on and listening to it and enjoying it. Like I said, right mood, and I like it. I'm not going to get in my car in the morning and drive to work. I mean, let me listen to Kind of Blue. It's not going to be the record I just go to at any time, but it was—it was how this idea that we have that we do this is how it should be. We're trying something that we ordinarily wouldn't listen to and seeing what we think of it. And he is—this is one of the best examples we could have done—is trying to branch out because I know neither one of us are jazz guys. So that's my summation.
1: Yeah. So this is, I think, number 19 on Rolling Stone Top 500. So, I mean, we've clearly just so far have picked albums that were, that are very highly thought of. Yeah. This is kind of a game changer for blues. This is one of the most revered albums in that genre of all time. And it was recorded in 1959, but man, it was recorded well. Like it sounded like it could have been recorded today. So, um, here's my take on jazz and, um, I don't have educated ears, but to me, so much of it just all sounds the same. Like, I don't think I could put in Miles Davis and then put on somebody else and necessarily tell a difference. Um, those, you know, people that are really into jazz, they really talk about how intricate the music is. And so there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, my uneducated musical ears just don't pick up on. That said, I don't hate jazz. Um, you know, I thought this album was actually really really good. This is a good album if you're having somebody over, having a dinner party at your house and you know drinking a good bottle of wine you can put on or I thought it's something you could put on like if you're cleaning your house, um to have on in the background, but the, I can't differentiate between, you know, any jazz albums for the most part. They all kind of sound the same to me. I actually own a Miles Davis album that I bought on Record Store Day. Uh, a couple of years ago that I, I listen to every now and then. But um, my favorite song on it was Blue uh, Blue is Green. And I just thought that was is kind of a haunting song. I just really loved it. But um, this one was, you know, this is on up there with, with some of the real heavy hitters of all time and in, in its influence and how much people appreciate it. He did do an album in the early 70s that I've got saved on Spotify that I've listened to once. I need to go back and listen to. It has more of a funk and soul vibe to it. Uh, which uh, it sounds kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're obviously great musicians. I've always heard that the jazz musicians were the real druggies of the time. Uh, But I just, uh, I can't pick up the difference between it and other things. I'm sure, you know, there's people that are listening, whatever, that are into jazz and can probably educate me better on that. But yeah, I mean, it it sounded great. I mean, it, it sounded great. It's recorded well and the music's fine. It's just, I'm like you, I'm, I could maybe put it on going to sleep at night or something like that. Or if I'm cleaning the house, you're having some people over for a dinner party. But I mean, if I'm, you know, driving on the interstate, I'm not going to, this isn't going to be my choice to crank in the, in the car.
0: It's just, yeah, it's, I think we're both the same way on this. Then it, it's not bad music and it's, it's actually good music, but, and I agree with you too. I, I'm not going to differentiate the a, a difference in sound, but you know, if you put on a jazz aficionado, put on, put on Slater's rain and blood, and put on Metallica Master Puppets. Do you think they're going to hear a difference? Yeah, it's, just all, it's just all what you know. It'll be noise to them. You know, so, yeah, I like I said, what it, it certainly wasn't bad, and would I listen to it again? That's always kind of what this list is about. Yeah, I probably would. Again, I have to be in the right mood for it, but I think right mood strikes me, I would be cool with listening to this record. So, my next one. This is one that is... Yeah, a big time heavy hitter as far as in the world of being influential, you know. For yeah, for country American artists, you know, those country artists that are kind of left of the dial, this is this is the Beatles, basically. That's Towns Van Zant. I um, like all these. I didn't know where to start, and. This one came up several times, and it's an album called Live at the Old Quarter. So my the first thing is when I look at it in, in retrospect, but I wasn't going to change it because this is what I committed to. You know, this is we can't pick something and then change it. And I, I, David and I have never done that. We've never started and go wait this album really sucks. Get, let me do another one. Now you pick one and you go with it. I would have liked to in hindsight, if I could do it over again, pick a good stu- uh, studio album. Because going with there's this album is so long. Yes. And if it had have been 10 cuts, I think I would have liked it a lot more. If it was a studio record, I think I would have liked it a lot more. It was just too long. I I liked a lot of the songs, but like you were just talking about with somebody else. uh, You're talking about King's X. It was, it was repetitive. I felt it was kind of repetitive and I think a different album I think I would have liked it. I and mean, I'm I'm being serious. I really think I would have liked it. This this wasn't something I just despised, but just being too long, it just kind of kind of wore me out because it was very it just it was it's too much of the same. That but there were some good songs on it. And of course just about everybody knows Poncho and Lefty. If, if you don't know that, you you probably know the the uh, the the William and, and Merle version, which by the way, cool story on that. Dave, we've talked about it several times. I know you have watched it, but the country documentary, Ken mm-hmm. Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie's telling a story. Well, it has both Willie and Merle separate. Willie's daughter, I, I can't remember why Merle was staying in his tour bus. Out, I think he was staying in his tour bus out, outside of Willie's house. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Maybe he was just coming off the road for any, whatever he was in there. Willie's daughter played her, played him that song, The Towns Van's Van Zand. He loved it so much, he went to the bus and got Merle out of bed. <laughs> and said, we, we got we to gotta work on this. So they went into Willie's house, and they recorded it, worked on it, and recorded it. Next day, Merle goes to Willie, goes over to his house, and he's like, hey, uh, let's, basically, let's get back to work on that song. And he went, I already sent it off. He'd already recorded it and sent off the version. I thought that was a cool story. But but I liked that song. Uh, I liked If I Needed You. There were other ones I liked. It was just too long. And as far as how important he is. I, I was looking this up and, uh, and I was, I was looking him up. It says that, you know, artists that basically, you know, served as, as inspiration or was an influence, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Garth Brooks, Robert Plant, Guy Clark, Lyle Lovett, John Prine. Steve Pretty Earl big. named his son after him. Well, there you go. And then covered by Steve Earl, Frank Turner, Pat Green, Coulter Wall, Bob Dylan, we already mentioned William Merle, Emmylou Harris, Nora Jones, Robert O'Keefe, Counting Crows, Jason Isbell, Natalie Maines. Um Yeah, people are into this, dude. Like I said, I want it. So when we keep going back to what we will we, we'll talk about this, we'll wrap up on this again, kind of go over it. But when I think what I listen to this again, I would listen to him again. I don't want to go to this album. I want to go to a studio album and try that.
1: Yeah, he so. also he also he also uh, played Dead Flowers. Um, I'm seeing that. I, I remember hearing that on was it um, Big Lebowski that was on maybe or something like that. But anyway, um, I'm I'm working. I mean, I'm scared because you and I have been in agreement for the most part, except for Carol King Tapestry. It's worrying me. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling we'll disagree on the last one, but go ahead um you know i was doing some research on him he's he's considered one of the best finger pickers of all time uh i have in my notes todd snyder has listened to this album um (laughs) you know uh here's some todd snyder uh you absolutely hear todd snyder yes uh for 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 instance the song fraternity blues if you told me that was a todd snyder song i would have um i had been like yeah I, agree. I, I remember think I swear to you, I remember thinking the same thing. All right, I got to go do something. Something's wrong with me. <laughs> Um So it was recorded in 1973. It's considered like his best live work. Um, I have on here, I can for sure see how this influenced a lot of people. He's kind of an old school Western troubadour storyteller. Highlights for me are Poncho and Lefty, Fraternity Blues, To Live Is To Fly, and Cocaine Blues um the the album is entirely too long at least they need to chop at least 10 or 11 songs off of it um my issue with a lot of singer songwriter stuff is like if it's just a guy and a guitar it's not that i don't like it it's just after five or six songs i've got to have something to break up the monotony and that's with that's with anybody i mean um i have trouble with some of the, the 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 black crows did a chris rich robinson did a all acoustic tour and it me to me at some point, like I just need something to break up some of the monotony, but, uh, I can for sure hear, you know, Jay Farrar listening to this, Steve Earle listening to this, Ryan Adams listening to it. A lot of guys that went on to do a lot. And, um, you know, he, had, have, have you read about the circumstances of his
0: death? Well, I just knew that he was a big, and they talk about him. They spend a decent, they spend a surprisingly good amount on him, on him on the country documentary. And he was, a. Uh, yeah, he had a drug and alcohol problem. I know that. And before you even get to it, it it's kind of it's kind of crazy because he came from a very affluent family. I think where everybody was out accomplishing great things and he just didn't choose that path. And he was yeah, he had major substance issues. And yeah. I know that was a contributor to his death. Yeah, and he died, you know, pretty pretty young. I think he
1: was around yeah, was 40 like, or something. It was yeah, early 50s. And um he he so he was either in an accident or had a surgery or something. Anyway, he was injured. And he was just a massive alcoholic and, and they were trying to, you know, tell the doctors how bad of an alcoholic he was. And he wanted to go home, um, basically, um, you know, against doctor's orders. And the doctor was so concerned about him getting out and combining alcohol with any pain medicine. He wouldn't give him any pain medicine. And he went home and I either died like that night or the next day. So, um, um, I think he went into you know d t s and 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 died from it, and that's certainly a very dangerous situation but yeah, if the album were shorter and it so many of the songs weren't structured kind of the same and, and it maybe be a little bit more than just him finger picking a guitar uh I would have probably liked it more, but I understand why people are drawn to him and definitely understand uh the influence that that he had and when I listen to this, I can hear so many of the people that you and I like I can tell yeah they they've they spent some time with this guy so it's probably not one I'll really go back to. It does make me want to pull up some of his studio stuff and listen to it. So uh, I won't go back to this one, but I'll definitely hit some of his studio work. Yeah,
0: so we're spot on on that. Feel the exact same way, and we're right. going to differ on the last one. Yeah, we're we're going big time, extremely this one. And look, I, I, I haven't even named it yet. I'm going to tell you, it's not. It's more than anything, it's musicianship on this one. I um. Thought we needed to do some metal, but we didn't need to go with I'm trying to think of somebody. Um I didn't want to go give David Dave like I know I don't think David's a never really listened to Y and T, neither have I. So we didn't want to listen to something like that. No, I wanted to put David through hell. So um I picked Death. And the album symbolic. Oh, you wait.
1: The next time we do this,
0: you're getting like a, <laughs> like a three-hour uh, Grateful Dead live album. <laughs> but, uh, but um, no, seriously, I, I was curious about death because a lot of people that I... You know, a lot of a lot of in the metal world, let's just say, a lot of them love love death. And this guy, um, I don't know if I've ever... I, I know I've heard his name pronounced before, but it's Chuck. Is it Scholdener? I was confused on that as well. But, anyway, he was one of the pioneers of death metal there. A lot of times death is considered the original like founder of death metal. Um, so they are important to their genre. That's why at the this beginning this is one of the main reasons I said at the beginning where David said that they're everybody's, you know, knows these bands. Well, a lot of people may not know death, but anybody that plays in metal likely does. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, a death metal person. Um David jokes with me about cannibal corpse. I'm not a fan of cannibal corpse. I just I I was interested in trying something different. That's why I went to the live show when I saw them. And I think uh Corpse Grinder just is such a unique character with the way he seems like the nicest guy ever. He seems like Santa Claus that sings about butchering people. Um and honestly I've heard the same thing about this guy. I've heard he was just a amazingly nice guy. And the thing about them that was a little bit different, I I only listened to just this record. I I listened to a little bit of the one that Richard Christie played on. And I think that was the last one they did. And they were going even more progressive. When they first came out, they were supposedly just straight ahead, like death metal. They started getting kind of more of a borderline progressive death metal. Uh, It was very, you at least got to say it's very technical death metal. And, what I liked about it, first of all, I didn't the vocals, they did they were grading, but they were better than both most death metal because he wasn't growling. I'll give you that. It was the vocals were harsh, but he wasn't growling. And I just think growling's ridiculous. But um I thought the musicianship was just fantastic. I think he was man he was a good guitarist. And what I thought about this, and I don't know if you thought about this, and I think you're gonna agree with me on this. I said I I actually noted this put this comment here so I'd remember. I said honestly I think they could have been a great band had they had a singer who could sing because the music wasn't super chaotic. It could have allowed for actual singing. I don't think like an actual singer, somebody in the vein of like Chuck Billy of Testament or something like that, that can actually sing. It wouldn't have been out of out of place with this kind of music. Like a lot of some of that, you know that um death metal grind core whatever the music's so intense that you can't sing over that I guess they have to growl you could sing over this music and I think it could have been great in that way as it is no it's not really my cup of tea but I did really appreciate it and there was some stuff that I liked the song without judgment I really liked the song it wasn't one of those ones that it was just like "Uh, I guess this is okay I just thought the guitar work was so cool had amazing just amazing riffs and leads. I thought that that perennial quest had a really cool intro song, symbolic and crystal mountain. They weren't bad. Like I said, it's not my cup of tea in the same way that miles Davis isn't my cup of tea, but I appreciated it. All right.
1: So I'm going to stun you. I can actually say something positive about it. Um, these guys are good musicians and, uh, I have to, I think it was recorded well, and and the playing is good. To me, the lyrics just at times are just almost silly and kind of contrived, like and not in the best way. Like I, I just don't, I don't know, I don't get into some of that, a lot of that. But um, the the vocals were not growling like I was thinking they were going to be. So. Like you are
0: preparing yourself for. Yeah,
1: I mean, I was just, you know, for... You know, and uh, it was not that. Um, and it was not the high-pitched squealing vocals that you hear on some, you know, extreme metal um it's just i mean i'm just you know it's just not my cup of tea and, i know you're not into and, extreme and, metal i get and, it then i understand why people i mean i understand how this probably had this you know this band had a lot of obviously it there's an entire genre of music named after them uh but they're good musicians i cannot take that away from them. singing on it it's just it's terrible but the, the playing on it is actually really really good and uh, i did see where richard christie played on uh uh i think it was this album maybe um, or maybe no, the was, next one. The next uh, one.
0: No, it was it was the next one, and, and it was actually that that spawned me to text you. I was reading something on on Twitter, and I knew that he played what album he played on, and I saw pictures it was talking about like the best acoustic songs ever in metal, and it said Death. What? And, I'm, and it was an instrumental, but still, it was it was really really good. By the way, you would have liked it. It was it was an instrumental, but anyway, it just got me thinking. It's time for another list. I need to do a death record. mean yeah. We need to do one of these these lists.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It was a it was a it was a great pick by you. This is kind of what we're trying to do: is uh, expose ourselves to some other things. And uh, it's just not for me. But I mean, I, the, those guys can. De- they're definitely good musicians. The guitar player is great. I can't pronounce his last name like you. you do
0: you not? Do you not agree that if they had had a like a, a really like a talented vocalist, that they, it would actually because some like I said, you take a you take a Cannibal Corpse. You you can't put you can't throw regular singing on top of that. You just can't. But I really believe, like the music, it would have fit in this music.
1: I don't even think it would have to be a great. I think you could have gotten away with somebody like James Hetfield. Um, well,
0: okay. When I say great singer, that's kind of what I'm going for. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not saying somebody with you know just amazing pipes. I'm just talking about yeah. a somebody who's actually trying to like really sing. Yeah, I,
1: I, I think. I think they could have. I mean, given the talent that they got, and if you know. If the lyrics were a little bit better and the vocals were better, there's no reason. I mean, there's legitimately I, no reason they couldn't reach like Megadeth status.
0: I don't even know what the lyrics are. I mean, I couldn't even really understand <coughs> it. But, but, um, but no, it, I thought it was. I thought it had some good, cool stuff. And he's actually thought of as, and he's been on lists <laughs> as like some of the was one of the greatest guitarists in metal ever. You know, and I think he usually he, he's usually pretty high on that list. And That's another thing that's impressive. Okay, so he he wasn't, you know, he wasn't setting the world on fire with his vocals, Mm -hmm. but he was still singing and playing at the same time. Those that very, very just intricate, just complicated stuff. Yeah. And that that in of itself, man, that that's impressive. So anyway, I'm glad I tried it. But that's that's the list.
1: Yeah, it was fun, um, and I like how it was all over the place. Let's see, we had jazz, we had death metal, we had kind of a singer songwriter Western music, we had a piano player, we had kind of a influential new wave slash punk band, we had a hard rock band, we had folk a uh, folk and soul, and then you know we just put the Beatles in their own category. Uh, we had them. So I think next time, Chris, I think a fun way we could do it is, um, I pick four albums for you to listen to. Like, you know, like I picked Sly and the Family Stone, you know, and, and that's what, but I pick some that I think that I'm familiar with that you probably aren't, that I think you would like. We've well, done a that bit before. Different. Yeah. 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 Like the one that comes to mind for me that I would love to hear your honest to take on because it influenced so many people you like is uh, the Grateful Dead's American Beauty. Their acoustic kind of basically almost country album, Um, stuff like that. And we'll keep going. We'll we'll tinker with this because I really enjoy this. This is one of my favorite Honestly, of our non-interview shows, this is probably like these shows are my favorite. And so, um, yeah, we'll definitely do this going forward and we'll tinker with it. And uh, we may even have one where you let the listeners submit eight to us. Yeah, it it
0: makes you – it allows you to actually – do what you love to do anyway, which is listen to music. And if you're, if you consider yourself any, what you're diverse of a music listener, a bit of collected, then it's actually, it's a treat yeah. to get to listen, go and try something different and see maybe I'll like this.
1: Yeah. It's, it's fun to do that. So yeah, we'll do it again, probably sooner rather than later. And, uh, hopefully we won't have as big of a gap, um, between, um, episodes this time i do apologize for that but we just don't want to put something out for the sake of putting it out and it not be uh up to par we like to take take pride in what we do and so uh, hopefully maybe we'll have an interview here soon uh we have a we've got some invites out to a couple people we'll see if people bite on it if they don't um we'll still be back and uh talking about music and uh follow us on twitter at digital killed and uh instagram digital kill the radio star and we have a facebook page And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would really like that. We'd appreciate that. Chris, you got anything else? No, that's it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with you sooner rather than later. Thank you.